You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And now, for you to find out about if you don't like that with Grant Napier. I know that uh, I keep on getting people that have said that they didn't know I had a podcast and they're just checking it out. If you're one of those, thank you very much. And if you've been with me from day one, you know, I'm coming up on my one year anniversary of starting this podcast. I've done over 100 episodes and I can't thank you enough for your support and your comments. And uh, again, I really appreciate those that have reviewed me on uh, Apple Reviews, and leave comments. I look at all of the comments, the people that have, you know, had dialogue with me on my YouTube channel. I try to get back to everybody. I read every single comment. So thank you very much. It means a lot to me as we come up. I can't believe it. Been a year. I cannot believe it. My first guest a year ago was Charles Barkley. Man, that that's just crazy that it's been almost a year. So I was thinking about what I was going to talk about this week that's a little bit different. And I got an idea from somebody I met this weekend, and I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. But I first of all want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. And I cannot thank them enough. They have been with me from day one when I started this endeavor, and it has just been tremendous. I love doing my podcast, and I cannot thank New Works enough. Whether you have a large job, whether it's a small job, They've got a fix for you. And remember, New Works is available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. So just go online, check them out, newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Again, New Works Plumbing, they've got a fix for you, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. So this past weekend, I was watching the Ryder Cup at a restaurant, and the guy sitting next to me, you know, we started talking about the golf and he told me he had just gotten back from Scotland on a golf trip and I'm like no kidding I did that two years ago so we started talking about playing at St. Andrews and playing at the old course and how phenomenal that was he said he had never been over to Scotland I said it was new for me too and we started talking about you know bucket list items because he said that was just a was like the top thing on his bucket list was to play golf at St. Andrews and I said it wasn't number one on my list, but it was high up there. And it was kind of neat. It got me thinking about why we love sports and what we would love to do if we had the chance. In other words, if I asked you, okay, you can do whatever you want 
in sport. In other words, you can go to any event. Which event are you going to? What are you going to choose? I mean, are you going to see your favorite team play in the Super Bowl? Or if you're a World Cup fan, are you going overseas or to a, maybe an English Premier League game? Are you going to the Kentucky Derby? You know, what is it that you have on your bucket list? I grew up as somebody that was, I didn't realize it growing up, I didn't realize how fortunate I was that I had a chance to go to all the games because my dad had season tickets for both the Giants and the Jets. And our tickets for the New York Giants were in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium. And then our tickets for the Jets uh, was up on the uh, second level. We had really good seats uh, at Shea Stadium. But, you know, again, I hated the Jets and I loved the Giants. But, you know, we were in the uh, end zone at Yankee Stadium. And it never dawned on me growing up as a kid like how lucky I was to be going to NFL games every week. I mean, I, I just, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And then as you get older, you realize, wow, like how, how fortunate I really was. And growing up as I got older, the one thing I always said that I would do is I would always go and do whatever I could to watch the New York Giants if they ever got to the Super Bowl. And the same thing with the Yankees. And the same thing with the New York Rangers. The Knicks, you, I, I, they had already won a championship in 69-70 when I was 10 years old. And yeah, of course I would have loved to have gone to the game, but I had no means and you really could not get tickets. I mean, it, it was basically impossible to even attempt to get a ticket. And obviously at age 10, you know, how am I going to get a ticket to go to see the Knicks uh, in the championship against the L.A. Lakers? But it got me thinking about some of the things that I've been so fortunate to do. And I'll share a couple of stories with you this week. I've got another bucket list item that I'm going to be accomplishing on Saturday. I'm going to Tuscaloosa for the Alabama Ole Miss game. I've always wanted to go to a game at Alabama. I've always wanted to go to a big-time game in the SEC. Uh, I want to go to see a game in Baton Rouge with LSU playing on a Saturday night. And I would love to go to the Grove at Ole Miss. Those are three of the places that I want to go see in the SEC. You know, I used to cover, you know, the Big Ten back when I worked in Illinois from 84 to 87. And I used to love going to the Illinois football games. And back then they were really good. Mike White was the head coach. Jack Trudeau was the quarterback. And they were good. They were a really, really good team. And I used to love when Michigan would come in or Ohio State or, you know, any of the other uh, teams in the Big Ten. It was just fabulous. I mean, I and again, I, I was normally there on a work capacity, covering the game from a TV reporter's part of, uh, point of view. Sometimes I would go just as a fan, but I used to love that. But anyway, I can't wait to go to Tuscaloosa. That is coming up on uh, Saturday. But, you know, we talk about w- what would you want to do, like in watching the Ryder Cup, and again, at Whistling Straits and watching the domination. But the guy that I met talking about playing – at Muirfield, talking about playing at St. Andrews, talking about playing at Carnoustie and uh, Royal Troon and Turnberry. And we just we had just a, a fabulous conversation. We shared pictures. I was showing him me standing, you know, on the bridge on the 18th at St. Andrews. That's just magical. I cannot begin to tell you, we, we arrived at St. Andrews on a Sunday evening at about 10 o'clock and 
we checked into the hotel, and then the bus that we had took us to where the 18th green and the first tee is at St. Andrews. And again, now it's about 1045, 11 o'clock at night, and it's still light, and the sun is setting you know, across the sea, and we were very lucky. There was not a cloud in the sky. And I remember all of us, we had you know a total of 12 walking down the 1st and 18th fairway because you can go out on the course and hang out. And, I mean, really, you can get, just walk out on the course. And I'll never forget standing on the first tee box at about 1045 at night with the sun setting and just the beautiful color of the sky and all the old, quaint buildings surrounding the 18th green and the first tee and then looking off in the distance, the Old Course Hotel, and then walking over to the bridge, and we all took pictures. We all took turns taking pictures, and to this day, they're some of my favorite pictures that I've ever t- taken. And then when we actually played uh, the old course uh, two days later, to be standing on the first tee with your caddy, and you put the ball on your tee, and you just look around, and you think about, for hundreds and hundreds of years, how many people have stood on this tee box and taken their first shot and all the greatest, greatest golfers in the world. What an iconic bucket list item that was. And I will tell, I always tell my friends this, don't ever, ever pass up an opportunity to go to St. Andrews if you get a chance because that is right up there with some of the greatest things that I've ever done. The whole country and the golf over there is absolutely uh, incredible. You know, some of the other amazing things that have happened to me are when I least expected. I don't even know if I've shared this particular story with you. It's not a bucket list story because it just happened. But I was at a Yankee A's game when Ricky Henderson was playing on the Yankees, but he was hurt. And before they put seats... At the Oakland Coliseum, right behind home plate, you could go and stand right against the backstop if you had a press pass. So I was covering the Yankees and the A's, and it was an afternoon game, and I'm standing right against the backstop, close to the Yankee dugout. And being a big Yankee fan, that was such a thrill for me back then because I was just like, wow. But I remember all of a sudden in about, I don't know, the middle innings, Ricky Henderson comes out of the dugout and he stands, I don't know, five feet away from me with his arms up on the back of the the backstop and he starts talking to me. And I tell him that I work in Sacramento, but I'm from New York. I'm a huge Yankee fan. And I asked him how his leg was because he wasn't playing because of like, I think he had pulled a muscle in his leg or his hamstring was sore. I couldn't remember. But we got into the most fascinating conversation because Ricky was taking a lot of heat from the New York media for not playing. And he said, you know, the, the people do not understand. He goes, look at my legs. And he raises his leg and his thigh was absolutely massive. I mean, massive. It was like the size of my waist. And he said, I am so strong 
with my legs, people don't understand when I get a strain what that does to me. And he said, people cannot relate. And I'm getting killed in the media in New York. And he goes, what am I going to do? He goes, they just don't understand. If they had my body, they would understand. And we actually talked. We, I think Ricky stayed back there for about two innings. And it was just fascinating to be able to talk to him just off the cuff and out of the blue in the middle in the middle of a Yankee game. That was one of the, the neat things uh, that I did. And then the other great story at the Oakland Coliseum was when the Dodgers beat the A's in the World Series and Oral Hershiser, who won the MVP, and I was standing in the exact same spot that I had been talking to Ricky Henderson. And I had a press pass, and I remember when the Dodgers clinched the final out and they all run out onto the field, I see a couple of other members of the media bolt out onto the infield. And I'm like, hell, I'm going out onto the infield. And I have no business. Listen, I had no business being on the infield with the L.A. Dodgers as they were celebrating the World Series. But, you know, why would I pass up that opportunity? I mean, think about it. You're on the infield with a major league team as they just won the World Series. And I went to college with Oral Hershiser. Matter of fact, for a year and a half, uh, one of my fraternity brothers was a pitcher on the same staff as Oral Hershiser, and he, uh, he and I roomed for a little over a year at my fraternity house. And so Oral would come over a lot because they would study and do pr- uh, projects together and everything. And I, listen, I'm not a great friend with Oral, don't get me wrong, but it was so neat because when Oral won the MVP and he was on the infield walking off and they asked him, now that you've won the MVP, what are you going to do? And, you know, it's the Disney, the Disneyland commercial, the Disney World commercial. And I was standing, I'm not kidding you, I was standing, gosh, seven feet, eight feet away from that. I mean, those are things that you you don't ever expect. Like, I didn't go to the game that night thinking that I was going to be on the infield with the Dodgers. And to be honest with you, it really wasn't as big of a deal because I'm not a Dodgers fan. But it was kind of neat just to be out there uh, in that uh, situation. Another thing that I had the unbelievable luck, and I mean luck, is I did the Canadian Football League on TV for two years when Sacramento had a team, the Sacramento Gold Miners. Fred Anderson owned the team. And we used to go and play all the teams in Canada, obviously, and I was doing the games on TV with Jack Youngblood, who's just the greatest guy in the freaking world. But we get to Winnipeg, and we check into the hotel, and my buddy Greg Coet, who played college football at USC, uh, was part of the broadcast crew on the sidelines. He goes, man... He goes, the Rolling Stones are playing tonight at the stadium. I go, you are freaking kidding me. He goes, no, let's try to go. I go, we're never going to be able to go. And obviously, we try to get tickets. The concert is completely sold out. He goes, don't worry, we're going to go. I'm like, seriously? He goes, yeah. He goes, put your bags in. Let's go out to the stadium in about an hour. So we get a car, taxi, whatever the hell it was. We get out to the stadium where the Blue Bombers play. You know, it's a big stadium. And he goes, now remember, we're going to get in and see the Rolling Stones. I'm like, how are we going to get in? So we're waiting at the uh, one of the big entrances to the stadium where also people leave. He goes, I do this all the time. He goes, you're going to find someone that leaves, and then you ask them if you can have their ticket stub. Now, back then, it wasn't like ticket stubs now where, you know, they take the reading and, you know, once it's scanned, it's no good anymore. That's not the way it was back then. This was like the mid-'90s. So there was a warm-up band, and... We're, st- we're probably waiting. We were probably out there for two hours. It's now dark. And I'm like, dude, we are never going to get in. And the Rolling Stones, you could hear 
had just started playing. And all of a sudden, this couple walks out of the stadium, and Gray goes, hey, are you all leaving? And they go, yeah. And they go, hey, would it be all right if we have your tickets? I'll be happy to give you like $20. And they go, yeah, sure. So Greg gives them $20. They give us their tickets. And Greg's like, man, why do you have to leave? He goes, uh, we, we have a babysitter and something's wrong with our baby and we have to go home. I go, wow, man, that, I'm really sorry. Anyway, we get into the stadium, Winnipeg Stadium, the Rolling Stones. And not only are we in the stadium, we are on the grass football field, okay, about 10 rows from the stage. I am not exaggerating. The seats were so good. We're about 10 rows from the stage, and I think they were on their third song by the time that we got in, and we just had the best freaking time. It was a beautiful night. I mean, we were in a short sleeve shirt right in front of the stage watching the Rolling Stones. And I, again, I never planned on that. That just happened. But I had always wanted to go see the Rolling Stones, so that was definitely a bucket list item. So if there is a will, there is a way. I never thought that I would be able to go watch the Rolling Stones, especially uh, the way that we did that. Then one of my bucket list items was, as I told you, if the Giants ever won the Super Bowl, I would go to the Super Bowl. I would figure out a way to do it. So I was working in Decatur, Illinois, and... The Giants, on January 25th, 1987, played in the Rose Bowl against the Denver Broncos. I was making back then, probably with overtime, $15,000 a year. Well, the Giants played the 49ers on a Saturday in round one of the playoffs. I drove from Decatur to Chicago. I flew from Chicago to New York. I went to the 49ers-Giants game. The Giants won 49-3. Right after the game... I said goodbye to my brother who was at the game with me. I went to Newark, flew back to Chicago, and was back in Decatur, Illinois on Saturday night. The following Sunday, the Giants played the Washington Redskins. It was unbelievable to be at that game. It was the late game for the championship on that Sunday. I flew, same routine, to Newark, went to the game. Giants win 17 nothing. And bless her heart, my aunt followed the protocol for getting tickets as season ticket holders. It was a pure lottery, but she filled and did everything to the T. And about five days later, we were notified that we had won the lottery and we had two tickets to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm working in Decatur, Illinois, not making a lot of money. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't really care. I am going to the Super Bowl, and I got to figure out how to do it. My father didn't want to go to the Super Bowl. My brother didn't want to go to the Super Bowl. And I think my brother couldn't go because of work reasons. But I'm like, I'm going. So my aunt mailed me the two tickets that were $75 each face value. All right? $75 each face value for the Super Bowl on January 25th, 1987. And I've shared this story with you before. I get to Los Angeles after taking off from St. Louis, where it was five below zero, and it's 76, 77, 78 degrees when I land in L.A. Never been in Southern California before. My buddy from college, his name also Mike White, his dad played for the Giants, and he and his brother 
had tickets to the game. And they lived in Van Nuys. So I land at LAX. I get in the Super Shuttle. I go to Van Nuys. I get to a payphone. I said, hey, I'm here. They come pick me up. We go back to their place. And we're hanging out. And I will never forget this. I go, hey, what are we going to do tonight? And they look at me and they go, what do you mean, what are we going to do? I go, what are we doing? What are we doing, man? Where are we going? They go, we're going to the game. I'm like, we're going to the game tonight? And they go, yeah, we're going to the game tonight. And Mike's brother had rented an RV. We loaded up with beer and food. And we go to the RV park at the, at the Rose Bowl, which is right next to the Rose Bowl. And I've shared this story before. We end up parking right next to John Elway's sister. Their RV is all decked out with Denver Broncos stuff. And that night was maybe as fun as any night that I've ever had with all the Giants fans and Broncos fans. Oh, yeah, and guess what? No fights. Everybody got, a, everybody got along. It was just a fun, beautiful atmosphere. And I sold my other ticket. Remember, I had two tickets for 75 bucks a piece. I sold my other ticket that night for $750 of cold cash. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I just paid for my trip for the Niners game, the Giants game, and I paid for my flight and everything else out to L.A., and I still have a couple of hundred dollars left over. I was so freaking happy. That night was incredible. And then walking into the Rose Bowl on a spectacular, cloudless, beautiful, sunny day, temperature in the high 70s, great seats, 30 rows off the field, 30-yard line, behind the Giants bench. Giants win 39-20, to 20, and that was truly one of the best experiences that I have ever had. Bucket list item? Yeah, that was a big bucket list item. One of the great things that I've ever done. I don't know if I could ever top that, being at the age that I was, and little did I know that on January 25th, 1987, that in seven months to the day, to the day, I would be in my little Subaru hatchback on Interstate 80 with my car packed to the gills, driving without air conditioning through the biggest heat wave of the summer to Sacramento, California to start my new career. Pretty amazing what happened to me in 1987. But that bucket list item incredible and Super Bowl tickets now are through the roof they are ridiculous and I will just tell you if you get the opportunity try to do what you do and uh, and try to do what you have to do to get a ticket one of my best friends went to the Kansas City San Francisco Super Bowl he's a big Chiefs fan he was able to get two tickets at face value and he took his dad and his dad just passed away from cancer a little more than a month ago. And I tell him, and he knows this, but how blessed and how fortunate he was that he could share that incredibly special day, special moment with his dad growing up as big-time Kansas City Chiefs fans. I mean, think about what sports does. Think about the memories that you have from sporting events, whether it's a Kings game, a Giants game, a 49ers game, Raiders, A's, you know, Bears. If you were around there in 1985, 
for that incredible season. Or, you know, we can go on and on. You can just name them all. You know, whether you're a Cubs fan. Do you know how many Cubs fans I used to know? And when I say used to, I'm talking about the suffering and the pain. They just wanted to see the team win before they died. I mean, really, before they died. I mean, I, I, I knew I met Cubs fans that were 70, 75 years old, and their wish was, I just want to see them win before I take my last breath. I mean, think about what sports can do. You know, we talk about bucket list items. You know, another bucket list item with my other team was in June of 1994. And same thing, I had always told everyone, if the Rangers ever get to the Stanley Cup final, I'm going to figure out a way to go. And little did I know that they would be playing Vancouver. And one of my best friends on the planet, George McPhee, was the right-hand man to the general manager and head coach, Pat Quinn. And I went to Vancouver and stayed at George's place for games three and four. If memory serves me correct, it was over the weekend. but So I didn't have to come home in between games three and four to do the sports on the news on Channel 31. But the two teams had split uh, in New York, and then the Rangers won games three and four to go up three games to one. And I flew back to Sacramento to do the sports on Channel 31, and George said he could get me two tickets for game five at Madison Square Garden. So I called my dad, and I said, Dad... I've got a ticket. We're going to Madison Square Garden. We're going to watch the Rangers win the cup. And we get to New York. I flew on a red eye. And never forget my dad meeting me outside Madison Square Garden. And I'll never forget the tickets were going on the street for $5,000 cash. I'll never forget standing in line, getting ready to go into what I thought was going to be the first Stanley Cup victory since 1940. Now, my dad remembered the first Stanley Cup in 1940. He was 14 years old. And the Rangers lost that game 6-3. to three. So it's now 3-2. Game 6 back in Vancouver. Early morning flight to California. I did the sports on the news. Then flew to Vancouver. Stay with George again for game six. Vancouver wins game six. Now it's going back to New York for game seven. I go back to Sacramento to do the sports. George says, Napes, I can't get you two tickets. I might be able to get you a ticket. I go, Georgie, you got to get me a ticket. Are you freaking kidding me? He gets me a ticket for game seven. And I was sitting in the family section of the Vancouver Canucks And there's like two whole rows completely empty. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And the charter for the family members and the wives and everything had a mechanical. And they had to stop in Seattle to fix the plane. And they missed. They got to the game right towards the end of the second period. But I'll never forget taking the red eye and landing at JFK and meeting Chris Russo. We went to a little coffee shop. And we hung out for about an hour. And he says, hey, do you just want to come into the garden with me and watch the show? I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course. So they didn't have a pass. At that point, I had not picked up my ticket yet. And I walk into the security entrance at Madison Square Garden with Chris Russo, who, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog, they own New York. They were Mr. New York. They were, everyone knew who Mike and the Mad Dog were. And I walked in through the security entrance with Chris. And the security goes, hey, Chris, how are you tonight? 
They didn't ask for anything, no pass, no anything. I walk in, I get into the elevator with Chris, take the elevator up to the fifth floor, get off, walk up to the broadcast booth, which is right above where the uh, the teams came out for warm-up and sat there and listened to Mike and Chris do their entire show before one of the very biggest events in the history of Madison Square Garden. And then when the Rangers won 3-2 to two, and the atmosphere on the street and staying up all night and then trying to get on a 7 a.m. flight. But that was probably the craziest thing that I've ever done, going to games 3 and 4 in Vancouver, coming back to do the sports on the news in Sacramento, flying to New York, then back to Sacramento, game 6 in Vancouver, back to Sacramento to do the sports, red eye to New York, game 7, and then the next morning fly back to do the sports that night in Sacramento. So that I would say that's probably the craziest, the absolute craziest thing that I have ever done. Now I'm going to continue this conversation on Thursday. In the meantime, you know what I would love? What's your bucket list item? Would it be the Indy 500? Would it be the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup? Would it be a World Cup match? Would it be the Derby? You know, you can leave me a message on my social media account at Grant Napier Show. You can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. I I would love to know, bucket list, what is number one on your list? What's number one when you think about it? What's the one thing that you would love to do? Would it be going to the Masters? I did that. I'm going to tell you about that on Friday's episode. But I would love to know your bucket list items. All right, now it's time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com. You can sign up. It takes about a minute. And just maybe I'll answer the question right here on my podcast. And by the way, I know I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I really appreciate everybody that participates uh, on Crowd Ultra. All right, Adam wants to know, did the Jets make a mistake trading Sam Darnold. No, not necessarily. They made a mistake because they don't know how to build a football team. They made a mistake because they don't know anything about an offensive line or skilled people. They don't know how to build a football team around the quarterback. I think Zach Wilson's going to be good, but how do we know? Same reason how do we know what Sam Darnold was because he had nothing to work with in his first three years in New York. Now look at him at Carolina. Completely different, really, completely different-looking quarterback. All right, Michael wants to know how was the Alabama game. Michael, it's this Saturday against Ole Miss, and I'll let you know uh, next week. Neil wants to know what's your take on Vivek announcing that he bought out minority owners. First of all, there's uh, so many mistakes in this story. I don't even know where to start, but that's not true. And there's a lot of other misinformation to that story. Just suffice it to say, He didn't buy out all the minority owners that were announced. That's just totally uh, untrue. Phil wants to know, who are the Dodgers' biggest challenge in the playoffs? Everyone. I mean, we see it every year. I mean, obviously the Giants, but when you're in the playoffs, every team, every team, right? Look at all the times the Dodgers have been beat in the playoffs when people thought that they were going to win. So to me, Phil... Whoever you're playing is the biggest challenge. Dave wants to know, why do you think Russell Westbrook would try to get Bradley Beal to demand a trade 
from the Wizards. I have not heard that, Dave. So if that's true, I'm not aware of that. And any player that asks another player to demand a trade from a particular team should be heavily fined and should be penalized greatly for tampering and affecting the integrity of the league. And that's what, in my opinion, they're really doing. Christian asks, do wide receivers run routes better or worse than they used to? I think better. Uh, I think the athletes are better. They're quicker. I think the field is better, not as slippery. In other words, the footing is better. In my opinion, I think that receivers run better routes today. Although I, I may be wrong, Christian. You know, if I talk to a coach, they might tell me uh, something different. Blake wants to know, could Jacoby Brissett steal the starting job from Tua? Listen, I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again. The best quarterback on the Miami Dolphins last year was not Tua. The best quarterback on the Miami Dolphins was Ryan Fitzpatrick. I believe that at this stage in his career, Jacoby Brissett is a better quarterback than Tua. But no, they have too much invested in Tua. I think when he comes back, he'll get the keys to the car again. But it's nice to know that you've got a guy. And by the way, Miami should have won that game. I mean, that call uh, where they got the safety was just one of the stupidest calls that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, Miami, to me, should have come away with a victory in that game. But yeah, I like Brissett. I think he's a good quarterback. Do I think he's great? No, I don't think he's great, but I think he's good. All right, Trevor wants to know, can you think of a pro who is more of a selfish, spoiled brat than Ben Simmons? Trevor, stay tuned for my rant. Stay tuned for my rant. Sam wants to know, Grant, have you seen a Cardinals pitcher just return from Tommy John in under a year? You know what? Is interesting when you look at medical technology, look at Achilles surgery, look at Kevin Durant and how he came back. And with each passing year, medical technology and surgical procedures get better and better and better. So I got to say, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Medical technology, uh, and that's why if you have a an illness that is bleak, you have to hang on, hang on. Because you don't know what is around the corner in terms of a cure. You just have to hang on and hope that that, that there's something in the pipeline that's going to save your life or speed up an injury or whatever the case may be. You just have to hold on. Hey, as always, thank you so much for all of the questions on CrowdUltra. If you want to go and ask me a question, it's easy to sign up. It takes less than a minute. All you need to do is go to CrowdUltra.com. It's time for Rant. Hey, today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. Now, I don't know about you, but keeping up with interest rates and different loan programs, refining and everything, it's confusing. At least it's confusing to me. And when I first met Roy, he took all of the confusion out of the equation. Roy's able to talk to you in layman terms. It's like dealing with family. He, you know what I love about Roy? He's got amazing integrity. He's overcome two life sentences, and I really mean that with cancer. He shouldn't be here, but he persevered, and he beat the odds, not once, but twice. And he is the most down-to-earth, honest person that you could ever deal with. He does business the old-fashioned way. He wants to meet you face-to-face. He wants to make sure that you are taken care of with a personalized approach. For all of your home loan needs, just go to RoysUmbrella.com. That's RoysUmbrella.com. So let me get this straight. 
Ben Simmons is officially a no-show at Philadelphia 76ers camp, okay? And reports have it, and they have been confirmed by a couple of members of the 76ers, including Danny Green, that players were going to fly on a private jet out to Los Angeles to meet Ben and talk him into coming to play for them, okay? Now think about that. Players were going to fly to Los Angeles to sit down with Ben Simmons face-to-face to try to talk him into coming back and helping them win a championship. Because regardless of what you think about Simmons, the Philadelphia 76ers have a better chance of winning a championship with Ben than without Ben. You know what Ben said? Don't get on the plane. I'm not going to meet with you. What the hell is wrong with this guy? Seriously, 25 years of age. He's got a four-year deal worth just under $150 million, and yet his friends and his teammates can't come out to talk to him face-to-face. You know, I've been on the uh, program of Get Ben Simmons to Sacramento for the last month. I may be changing my mind here. I mean, seriously, what the hell is wrong with an individual that won't let his friends slash teammates come out and talk to him? Like, really? Ben Simmons? Who the hell is Ben Simmons? Yeah, I know he's been an all-star three years. I know he's been first-team all-defense two years. But who the hell is Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons has four years on a contract that's making him a very wealthy man. And he doesn't want to play in Philadelphia anymore because he got his feelings hurt over a comment or two in the playoffs, whatever the case may be. This guy's got some issues, seriously. So maybe you should stay away from him. Maybe. I, I don't know anymore. I just couldn't believe that when I heard that story. Shame on Simmons. And you know what? Good for Shaq and good for Barkley and good for all of these other icons to call him out and talk about, you know, being unprofessional. That's about as bad as it freaking gets. Seriously. What the hell is wrong with that guy? And that's my rant for today. Hey, really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to leave me a message at Grant Napier Show about your bucket list item, and maybe I'll talk about that on Friday. I'll give you some other bucket list items as we get you ready for the weekend as I make my way to Tuscaloosa. Can't wait. And uh, I can't thank you enough. Again, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, and the reason why I'm still doing this is because of you and all the phenomenal feedback. means the world to me. It really does. Thank you so much, and always appreciate you checking me out right here, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.